Well, hey, if this is your first time logging in, uh, my name is Ronnie. I'm glad you guys are joining us. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Matthew 14. We're in our second week of our Advent series. You can see behind me, it's called The Heart of Jesus. And last week, if you were with us or if you weren't, we began our series by asking this question, what is the heart of Jesus? And what we learned is that one of the ways Jesus describes himself is that he's gentle and lowly, meaning he's He's humble, he's accessible, and this is how Jesus describes himself to us, and that his desire for us, for you and for me, is rest. And to experience this humble and accessible person of Jesus, we need to come to him. We need to take his yoke upon us, his non-yoke, his non-burden upon us. We need to lean into the one who is already leaning into us. And so today, we're going to continue with that theme. We're going to look at another aspect of Jesus's character in Matthew 14, which is that he is compassionate. Now, when we see that word compassion, what we mean by that, what it literally means is that it's something that is coming from the bowels or coming from the, the gut. So it's getting, you know, it feels, sounds almost a little gruesome when you phrase it that way, but that's what it means when we talk about Jesus being compassionate. And how much do you just long for somebody to be moved from the gut with understanding and with empathy toward you, toward who you are as a person, toward where you're at in the world. And instead of just simply tolerating you, they actually, they take your hand and they help you. And they help you in the most loving an eager way imaginable, with the most loving and eager heart imaginable. This is the heart and the person of Jesus. Look what it says in Matthew 14, verses 13. It says, now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. Verse 14, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now you notice as soon as Jesus comes within the company of people, the first thing we're told, the first thing that we see from Jesus as he's looking at them, as he's meeting their gaze, as they're staring at him, as they're acknowledging that he has arrived, the first thing we see that comes out of the heart of Jesus is number one, is that he is compassionate. It says he had compassion on them. And what we understand about that is that compassion is the innermost core and heart of Jesus. Imagine someone whose inclination, the very core of their being is to move towards you with the greatest level of understanding and empathy in human existence. Imagine a person who is not repelled or disgusted by you, but actually wants to be as near to you as possible. And not near to you because he doesn't know what he's in once he gets close, but Jesus is a person who wants to draw as near to you in your spiritual filthiness and in your physical broke downness as possible. And it can feel crazy 
to even imagine that. It can seem unfathomable to us because we ourselves have a hard time getting close to people that are this broken or to people that are this sinful. And therefore, we can't imagine what would possess someone to ever want to get this close to us if they could peek inside our innermost being. Which may be true unless your innermost being, your very core, was wholly compassionate. Now, some of us, maybe a lot of, maybe most of us have a compassionate side to us that comes out in some very beautiful and Christ-like ways, but the innermost core of our being is not wholly compassionate through and through. We are growing in compassion as Christ grows in us, but we don't embody it the way that Christ embodies it, which is what we have in the person of Jesus Christ, who it says, saw the great crowd, and the first thing before even one word comes out of his mouth is that he had compassion on them. And by the way, we are not unlike the people who made up these crowds. They could probably barely imagine or fathom someone who knew them closer and more intimately than anyone could ever know them. Instead of backing away and saying, okay, I I need to create some healthy boundaries here before I get too close, Jesus just moves in closer to be nearer, to be more understanding, to speak comfort into their ears, to uphold their tired bones when they couldn't stand and to assure their doubting minds of his love for them, many of whom were no doubt at their most unloveliest. And that's a picture of us too at the same time, you know? When he saw a great crowd, he had compassion on them. The minute Jesus sees the crowd, which for us would just be a bunch of nameless faces and potentially awkward conversations, he is moved and he moves toward them. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of being seen by Jesus, it fills me with a certain amount of guilt and shame because I know what he sees when he sees me. But what's so interesting here is that scripture gives us a different version of the Jesus that we tend to make up in our minds, that we have sort of rewritten the narrative of Jesus We have one that's in scripture that's true and then we have one in our minds that we a lot of times continue to rewrite that has nothing resembling the truth of who he actually is. When we go to Matthew chapter nine, verse 36, we we, we get a similar passage and it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus sees you for the helpless person that you are. He has compassion on you in the depths of your helplessness, which is why he doesn't help those who help themselves. In fact, when Jesus argued with the religious leaders in Mark 2.17, it it were these dudes who were kind of like the corrupt pastors of his day. This is what he said to them. He said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. He said, I came not to call the righteous, 
but sinners. You are helpless in your sin. I am helpless in my sin until the great physician calls you, calls me to himself, and he does it with compassion. He does it with empathy, with understanding. He does it from his bowels, from his guts. He knows you. He knows me. He knows the attacks. He knows the disappointments, the suffering, the lack of justice, the abandonment. He sees the fears that immobilize you. He sees that you're so needy that you don't even know what you need. You're like a sheep without a shepherd is how he sees you. And here's the thing about sheep. Sheep don't just pause when they don't have their shepherd and think, shoot, where is that guy, right? That's not what we know about sheep. No, they, they wander and stray. And it's not until the shepherd finds them that they are found. This is you. And when Jesus finds you, he doesn't say, didn't I tell you how stupid you are, you wanderer? No, instead we're told there's much rejoicing in heaven. Jesus is like the father whose prodigal son came home and before the dude could even turn into the driveway, Jesus is running toward him like a madman. He has so much joy and compassion welled up inside of him. It says it right here in Luke 15, 20. And when he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The father had compassion on the straying, wandering son. And it should go without saying, but not only is the heart of Jesus wholly compassionate, but it also means that secondly, it leads him to acting compassionately. It says he healed their sick. So he sees the great crowd. He has compassion on them. Then he heals their sick. So what we see here is that the greatest impulse of Jesus Jesus, who is described as the spotless, sinless lamb of God. Jesus, of all people, his greatest impulse is to move toward those who are corrupted and corroded by sin and to act most compassionately on their behalf. Jesus doesn't try to keep his hands clean. Isn't that an amazing thought? Imagine that. Jesus doesn't try to keep his hands from getting dirty. He dirties his clean hands. And he does it by embracing the most unclean that surround him. He healed their sick. I mean, what is the first thing that you do when you walk into a room full of people? I mean, most of us, we look around and we kind of survey the room. We kind of have this internal dialogue where we're saying like, who's here? Who do I want to make a beeline for? Who do I want to avoid? And is there a place somewhere for me to hide if I get trapped with somebody I don't want to be with? We tend to focus on ourselves when we come into the company of people. But then we see what Jesus does when he sees a great crowd, when he sees thousands of people. He moves toward them compassionately 
And the first people he's most drawn to are the ones who are sick. The ones who most of us would pull away from, not knowing what to do, not knowing what to say, not knowing how to act, being afraid of the awkward situation that we might put ourselves both in. Jesus does something that we would probably describe as getting dangerously close. Dane Ortland makes this comment about Jesus in this situation. He said, it is the very fallenness Jesus came to undo that is most irresistibly attractive to him. So Jesus comes uncomfortably close to us in our uncleanness to offer us the shame-killing comfort of his cleanness. Jesus is the only person who has never said, I don't like to get my hands dirty. It's the compassion of his heart that puts our dirt on his hands. Thomas Goodwin, old theologian from years ago said, Christ is love covered over in flesh. So when we think about Jesus, when we think of the heart of Jesus, we think of him as having a passionate and compassionate love for us. And all of our, all of our uncleanness, all of our dirtiness, all of the things that we don't want anybody to see, but we wish they could see so that we could find healing and wholeness. This is the heart of Jesus. Matthew 8 verse 2 we get another example of this when it says, behold, a leopard came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus has a willingness to come toward you with compassion. It's not just let me see what I'm doing today. Let me check my schedule. Let me make sure that there's nothing else on the calendar that deserves more of my attention. Jesus looks at you and says, I see you. I see your uncleanness and I am willing to touch you, to move toward you, to get close to you because I understand, because I'm empathetic. Same thing happened in Matthew chapter nine, verse two. It said, behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. There's no hesitation with Jesus. He goes all in immediately. He leans in to us. His heart is all for us. It is bursting, it is breaking for us simultaneously. The compassion of Jesus is immediate. It comes flowing from a fountain-like heart that is willing to help and willing to heal. He has a willingness and it's a willingness that doesn't need to be coerced or thought through either. Like, you know, after I give it some thought, I decided, sure, I'm willing to do that. That's not Jesus. His willingness is not something contrived. It is who he is. Before we even get the words 
out of our mouth or if no words come at all, Jesus is already there. He is willing to act from a compassion that comes pouring out of the innermost core of who he is. You know what it's kind of like? It's kind of like taking a big bite out of a juicy peach. Do you ever think about that? The flavor, it just pours out, right? It gets all over your mouth. It drains on all over your hands. In actuality, it was a flavor that was there even before you took a bite out of it. It was just waiting. Now, I gotta be careful. I don't wanna compare Jesus to a peach. But just to give an illustration to say that it's, his compassion is waiting to overflow onto our hearts from his heart. So what do we do? How do we respond to this? How do, how do we apply the compassion of Jesus to our lives? Well, the first thing that we see here, one of the first things in this passage, is it says that they followed him. We want to follow him. If we want to get and receive the compassion of Jesus, we need to be followers of Jesus. In the same way that he moves towards us, we want to move towards him. We want to seek after his compassionate heart. We want to follow Jesus so that his compassion is something that we will receive more of and believe there's more of as we grow in our need of it every day. You know, what's interesting is we all go to certain people knowing that without a doubt, we're going to receive what we ask of them. You know, there's certain people that can offer you certain things, whether it's something that you need some help with, um, or whether it's companionship, or whether you, have, you just need somebody to listen to you. We, we have people in our lives that provide us with certain things that are maybe a gift of theirs, and we find ourselves kind of moving toward them for those things. In the same way, we need the compassion that only Jesus has in the way that he has it for us, which is in an unending supply. So the crowds followed him and we need to follow him. We need to go to him. We need to grow in our need for him and understanding and acknowledging how desperate we are for the compassion of Jesus. So we need to follow him. And secondly, we need to bring those things to him that need his compassion. Jesus, here are the broken things in my life. Some of them have been done to me. Some of them I've done to myself. We need to always remember who we're dealing with when we bring things to Jesus that need our compassion. Because before a word is on your lip, he knows it. Before a thought is on your mind, he knows it. Before a sin has even been committed, he knows it. He knows what you need. He knows your deficiency. He knows your lack which is why he moves toward you with compassion and understanding and empathy and healing for your soul. First Peter 5, 6 reminds us to humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Then Peter says this, he says, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Well, Peter says, because he cares for you. So put those things on the one who actually can meet the needs that those things require so that he can give you the compassion 
that all of that neediness in you, all of that brokenness in you requires. Bring those things to him that need his compassion. And then finally, we want to give the compassion that we've been given. Look what Paul says in Colossians 3.12. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So as we're motivated by the love and forgiveness we have received from the heart of Jesus, we put on compassionate hearts so that others receive what we have received and continue to receive from Jesus. Because there's nothing that motivates me toward compassion is when I see it modeled by somebody else. And so when Jesus saw the great crowds, he was moved toward them with compassion and he healed their sick. This is the heart of Jesus. This is what you need today. This is what I need today. So when we think of all the ways that we misconstrue Jesus. We think wrongly of him. We think that there's some hesitation in the way that he moves towards us because we hesitate moving towards people because we sort of count kind of like what it might mean to our personal comfort if we just get a little too close. And what we do is we, we take that and we attribute it to the heart of Jesus when the heart of Jesus couldn't be more opposite of that. So we find ourselves at the end of a year that has felt very heavy and has felt very hard and has felt very confusing and it has felt very scary because we haven't had a real good angle on where everything is going. And so we scramble and we start maybe taking matters into our own hands, or maybe we start questioning where Jesus has been in all of this. And then we see here that when everything is at its worst and we are feeling at our lowest, where Jesus is as he's with us, right next to us, arms around us with a heart that is so full of compassion, pulling us in, giving us understanding, showing us empathy, healing the tired weariness of our souls. That's the Jesus that we have in 2020. He is compassionate. That is the Jesus you have always had. That is the Jesus I have always had. And maybe we're finally in a year that we understand that this is the God who is with us, and not just with us, but with us compassionately. So will we go to him? Will we receive that compassion? Will we pray for that compassion? Will we follow Jesus where that compassion is found? Will we bring those things before the foot of the cross that we need to have compassion so that we can have compassion even on ourselves? 
Will we show this compassion to others today? Let's pray. God, we thank you for the compassionate heart of Jesus. We thank you that you sent your son to us to be the God who was with us and not just any God, not just a demanding, commanding ruler, but somebody whose heart is full of fountain-like compassion for us. Lord, I pray that we would have a deeper understanding and knowledge of this Jesus that we misconstrue in our minds so often. And Lord, would you show us compassion? Lord, those that are at home today and they're thinking, I just, I, I need that compassion so badly. Lord, would you show that compassion to them today? Whether it's through this sermon, through these songs that we've sang, through somebody that's listening that can reach out with a compassionate word or a helping hand or a deep hearted help for somebody in need. Lord, I pray that we would experience your compassion today. I pray that we would be a compassionate church. I pray that in the same ways that you move toward us without hesitation, that we would move towards others without hesitation with the compassion that we've been given. So God, we, we thank you for the truth of this, for the reality of this, for the comfort of this. We pray that it would change us today, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.